Thank you so much for the prayer of healing. Um, appreciate that. The weather is somewhat stuffy and muggy. It's not very forgiving. And because it's not very forgiving, we're going to be talking about the topic on forgiveness. And I thought it would be uh, nice to do that, especially when it seemed to be a little difficult. And are you ready to be uh, blessed and healed and grow today? That sounds great. Yeah, I need a little response uh, for me to get pumped up as well. When you, one of the most difficult things to do in life is to forgive. Give me one thing that is more difficult than to forgive. There's nothing. You could study like crazy to become a physicist or rocket scientist. You could exercise and practice so hard to become the champion of the world in whatever sports. They're all a lot easier than to forgive. We have heard expression forgiveness and forgiveness so often, so many times, and we kind of say, well, heard it enough. Well, that's not for me. One of the most important essence and the task and desire of our God is for us to forgive. That is because his son represents forgiveness. We are here, we have a grace that we want to grow upon because of that very forgiveness. While forgiveness is one of the most difficult things to do, but when you do, it is the most rewarding thing that we can ever experience on this planet when we're alive. So we're going to talk about that. Some of you may say, that's not really for me because it doesn't really work. I just never see myself forgiving that person. If you're sitting over here, you have already received the forgiveness. And you owe yourself, not only to yourself, to God who gave you the free gift of grace to hear this out. Forgiveness is the hardest thing to do. So let's start off with that. It's not just you, it's everybody. There's nothing under the sky that's more difficult than to forgive. You know, people spend hours and hours of painstaking effort to learn, to educate, to win, to improve. Some take life-threatening risks and spending lots of money along the way to improve and to grow. But when we come to forgiving someone, forgiveness, we take no effort. And that is why it's so difficult for us to forgive. We exercise, we study to improve and better ourselves. To understand the word of God, we come to Bible study and study this. We sometimes we go through painstaking effort to learn and to improve and to grow. But when it comes to forgiveness, 
How much time and effort have we been spending? Just think about that. How much? But we should. That's when we can grow in grace. And you know what? We are called to do. Second Peter 3.18. But grow in grace. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of the importance and the essence of the forgiveness. Shown through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, during this series, we've been talking about how to grow with honesty. How to grow by fearing God. How to grow by doing things that God taught us to do. How to grow by not doing the things that God taught us not to do. How to grow in grace by using verb. Jesus said, I have, Jesus never said that I'm a king of kings, that I want to be a savior. We say that things. He only said, I came to serve, I came to save. Two words, two verbs. Forgiving, forgive is a verb. Wouldn't it be so cool if somebody, when you ask somebody, what's your mission statement, personal mission statement? What do you live for? Referring to Jesus saying, I came to serve, I came to save. If somebody says to you, my personal mission statement is, I live to forgive. Oh, yeah, wouldn't that be like impressive? Today, we want to all step up to be able to forgive. So what does it take to forgive? Because forgiveness is the most difficult act of love, it takes effort. It takes concerted effort. You cannot go with your emotions. Jesus did not go with emotions. Sometimes... We need to be healed before we can forgive, which takes time. Or to be healed, you need to forgive. Sometimes one needs to get enough confidence to forgive. Now the question is, what's the other option? I don't want to forgive. I can't. So what's the other option? Well, the other option is not to forgive. Is there anything else? Well, let's talk about the other option, not to forgive, which is unforgiveness. Here's what unforgiveness does. Unforgiveness destroys everything that you have. It will eventually. It has power over kindness. It has power over love. You think you have love? Unforgiveness has a power over your, over your love. It has power over kindness. It has power over all the fruits of the Spirit. 
the love, kindness, patience, and self-control. It has power to conquer over our joy and peace. It has power to stricken faithfulness and gentleness from us. It's bad. You think why you're losing your faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? The source is unforgiveness. That's what unforgiveness does to our lives. Taking away the joy of living, sucking life out of us. That's what it does. Unforgiveness. It gives birth to betrayal. It kills, it starts war. It messes up our lives. <clears throat> it takes us to anxiety, stress, unforgiveness, takes us to depression, takes us to loneliness. It greets temptation. It walks to wicked schemes and hatred. It seeks revenge. Did you know that? It destroys our lives. It can destroy your entire life. Friendships fail. Love fades. Relationship gets destroyed. Husband and wives, mother and daughters, father and son, between friends. Not talking for years and years and years. Destroys our lives. I watched my father and my older brother never talking for years. Not one year, not two years, 20-some years. It even affected people around them. My father died of dementia. When his memory was fading, I called my older brother in Seattle. It's Chris. Our father is fading in his memory. You need to come visit him and reconcile. He doesn't have much time left. While still he has memory, come and just be with him for a second or so. You have never seen him for all these years. He never came. Later, it consumed him. A few years later, he called me on telephone, confessing all the things he did wrong, how he never came to our sister's funeral, never coming to my father's funeral. He never came even to visit me in the hospital when I was in the hospital, not one or two days, entire six months. I told him that I was so happy and glad that he shared that with me. And I told him that everything, at least for me, is forgotten and forgiven. It healed me to have forgiven him but he himself continued to suffer for not having reconciled with our father. He's already deceased. 
He had a trouble in his heart, not being able, not having attended our sister's funeral, let alone the father's funeral. Eventually, the guilt consumed him. The darkness swept over him. He started to drink. It destroyed him. Forgiveness is the hardest thing to do. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of the sin is death. It says, wages of sin, the consequences of sin, it's death. And that God declares that with our sins, that we will die in eternal fire. In the case you don't know what that is, it's called hell. We, our church, believe in hell and heaven. God's purpose was to save us. No, God's purpose is to save us, to bring us back to his home, which is heaven. So what did he do? He had his son pay for it on our behalf. Now, that's called amazing grace, that which we all know about. So God did it. His son, Christ, did it. God forgave us. God did not just walk up one day, I am going to forgive this humanity. He did not do that. He didn't just one day and decide, yeah, maybe I should just forgive all this mankind, give him another second to live. I might just save him. No, he did not do that. He agonized over it. He prepared for it. He suffered for it. He went through a painstaking effort. The cross. That's kind of the amount of effort that our God has put in to forgive. So if you think that I can't simply forgive that somebody, you have not put in any effort yet. Even our Jesus did that. He didn't walk up one day, oh, okay, like a mission state, no, mission, what is it, mission impossible? You get a little note that says, your mission today is to do this, to do that, okay. No, this mission, to forgive, was to go through the preparation of a suffering, agonizing, and dying on the cross. If that's what it took to forgive, what would you do to forgive? What preparation would you do? So let's look at how to apply that in our lives. We tend to look at Jesus and say, yeah, it's God, he's Jesus, he can do that. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross to save us. The point is, we have to apply that in our lives. That's growing in grace. Not just looking at that as 
something in the picture, how to apply that in our lives. Say someone does something really bad, something horrific. What would be our typical response? Normally, most of us would say, I'm going to kill that guy. How many people said that? Maybe not literally. Come on, I said that those things too. I'll be honest, I'm going to kill that guy or gal. I'm going to make sure he or she never recovers from it. I'm going to bury this guy. I'm going to expose him. I'm going to step all over this guy. Well, when you say those words, what are you really doing? You are applying the wages of sin is death. What we are doing is we are taking the matter into our own hands. We are applying death and revenge. That's what we do. I suppose it's kind of natural for us to react that way. Sometimes we just feel that we have every right to alienate or revenge the person who have done wrong. Yes, we are grateful for grace of God. But when our minds are filled with those thoughts, we are not exercising the same grace God has gifted us. Let me read Romans 6.23 once again, focusing this time on the second sentence. For the wages of the sin is death, but the gift of God, the grace, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the essence of Christianity. If you call out to other people, what's your religion, what's your faith, and you proudly say, I am a Christian, at the same time, at the breath, you must be able to articulate the essence of Christianity is to forgive. The act of forgiveness is the most difficult thing to do, yes. And our Lord Jesus Christ has done it. Here's the thing. Jesus didn't just die for our sins. It was not like heroic act. Like a soldier would die for another soldier. You've seen that in movies. Heroic soldier just dying for another soldier, which ultimately dying for the country. It's not like me simply giving up the heart that I was to live, to receive, to survive, but giving it up to another young girl who would otherwise die in today's. People tell me that giving up the heart to the young girl was a heroic act. But here's the real question. 
But to put the question in a different perspective. Would I have given up that heart that I waited five months and my chance of dying was 99% to give up that heart to the young girl if that girl was my enemy? Would I have done that if that girl has hurt me and destroyed me? Would I have done that if this girl had scorned me in the past? Would I have given up the very heart that I need to survive to her, knowing all that? I'm going to give you an honest answer. I don't know. Because I did not do that. I gave up the heart in more heroic act. It wasn't about forgiveness. It's more like kindness, compassion, loving your neighbor as yourself. That's actually a lot easier to do than forgiving somebody. What I have given that heart to that young girl, if she was my enemy or she has done wrong to me? That is the question. But Jesus did give up his heart, his life for his enemies, for those who betrayed him, for those who turned their face against him. Regardless, Jesus forgave them. For me, I knew my, by faith that I had a chance of getting another new heart. Fully knowing that I had a chance by faith. And that's what we live for. But Jesus gave up his life fully knowing that he would die. Very different. He did the hardest thing one can do. He did that for one simple reason, to forgive us. He knew that forgiveness has the power to rekindle, power to reconcile, power to new life. And so he forgave us. I once had a, to forgive someone when I was young. A friend of mine from college days, and we went to the same church together. This guy's from New York. I'm from Hicktown, mainland, mainland, Montgomery County. He knew everything about life. We were at the party, and we were sitting together at the table about there were about six or seven young people sitting around. There was my younger sister sitting there as well. This so-called friend of mine in front of everybody would start messing with my sister. How? He was actually touching inappropriate, inappropriate places of her body in front of us. 
My sister was in high school. I got so mad, I confronted him. That he sees just too young. And what he did totally, totally shocked me. He looked straight in my eyes and said a curse word. Something with a four-letter word. Something with a four-letter word, off. I was shocked. We used to hang out together, both church and social activities and schools. After hearing that, I was never, never going to talk to him ever again. And I was determined to take my sister away from this guy. He was not my friend. Friends don't do that. I was humiliated. In, 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 in addition to that, I was humiliated in front of my sister, in front of other friends around us. I came home that night. I was so angry, so mad. I was ready to kill him. I was ready to revenge him. I was looking for a way to destroy his life. It was painful. And I had to endure it. But I didn't wait too long. Spirit spoke to me. The day after, I had a, enough courage to call him. I did not want to call him. He was truly my enemy. I picked up the phone and said these. You are right in that it's none of my business. He didn't say that. I was simply referring to when he saw, said, said those curse words. I was trying to say it nice way. You are right. It's not of my business. But you have younger sister too. She is four years younger than you, just like my sister is younger than me. I only did what you would do. I know you would also protect your high school sister if you're in a similar situation. There were three, four, five seconds of pause, and he responded by saying, Tim, what you just did, calling me in this circumstances, I know it was not easy. After what I said to you, after how I humiliated in front of your sister and your friends and our friends, and he said it was totally out of order. But you call, not to scream at me. I thought you would do that when you called. But you talk to me as a mature person. You spoke volume about who you are, and I respected that. That's what he said. We hung up. From day, day on, he left my sister alone. We stayed in touch, but not like before. He died about a year ago. His wife called me to do funeral 
and memorial service for him. You know, when I got that call, I was so happy. I was so happy because back when I was in college that I had a calling to reconcile and to forgive. And because I forgave him, I carried no regrets with him. And at the funeral, I think I gave one of the best moving and touching funeral memorial service I ever did. Forgiveness is the most powerful, godly weapon we have. Because Jesus represents forgiveness. If you believe in Jesus, his words are our weapons. The forgiveness is our weapon. Oftentimes, forgiveness is more healing for you than the other person that you're forgiving. Did you know that? Forgiveness, use it. Fire it. And when you fire the weapon with forgiveness, nobody will die. And you will be healed, and you will win whatever that you're fighting for. And top it off, you will be found favor in God's eyes. You know what happens when you're found favor in God's eyes? You know the answer. What is the essence of Jesus? We're starting with the grace. Jesus is grace. We all know that, right? That's our topic. If the grace is a consequence of God's action, then what is that action? It was the act of forgiveness. That was the action. Action of forgiveness, which gave birth to grace. You have to always understand what caused it, what gave birth. The grace that we sing about was given birth by forgiveness. That is the essence of grace. Looking at the cause of grace, looking at the consequences of grace, so therefore, essence of grace is forgiveness. And, and, and you, we are so grateful about forgiveness, having the eternal life. And if we are unable to exercise, to grow in it, then what we are really doing is taking the grace and burying it. Growing in grace, being like Christ. Sanctification is all about growing once you receive the grace what you make of it. Yes, growing in grace can be painful. Talking about pain. Who likes pain? Nobody likes pain. Yes, yeah, some people can tolerate pain a little better than I. Yet there are pains that we don't like, and there are pains we like. Can you give an example of one pain that we like? There is a pain that we like, 
Did you know that? I'm not talking about love or pain and stuff like that. A couple of weeks ago, I went to physical training. My uh, trainer really, really worked on my thigh right here. All this squatting and the, and the uh, so next two days, my legs were sore, and as I try to walk, it started wobbly. And uh, it actually lasted like an entire week. The trainer really trained me well. If you want the guy's name, I'll tell you what that guy's name is. So on the second day I had that training, I need to do some gardening work. I had, a, you know, I have a big yard. I have a lot of weeds out there. And my daughters, like, they're, like, indifferent about this gardening work because I had to still do the work. So I went out there in the heat, pulling all the weeds out. Every time I try to pull the weeds out, what do you do? You have to squat and get up and squat and get up. And every time I do it, it was sore. It's a painful. But you know what? It was a good pain. I was so proud of that pain. I exercised a day before, and it's going to make me strong and better. My muscle is going to grow. It was a good pain, a pain that gave, gave me a sense of accomplishment, pain reminding me that things are going to get better, reminding me that my legs and my thighs are getting stronger, better, and it's growing. It was a good pain. You see, forgiveness can be the same way. It's a painful, but once you forgive, the hurt will be still there. The pain will still be there. Just because you went to the other person, I forgive you, doesn't mean everything is going to go away. It will not go away. But the moment you do that, that pain will turn into a good pain. Do you believe that? Yes. The moment... You forgive somebody. That pain will still linger, but it will go from pain that you don't like into pain that you not so much like turn into good pain. So here are some of the Bible scriptures that says about forgiveness. And that's how we will summarize it. It says to endure it. Agonize it. It's okay. Because Jesus agonized it. He suffered for it. He prepared for it for a long time. So Colossians 3, 13. Bear each other. And what? Forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive, 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 forgive. And you will turn into good pain and all over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's what will come when we forgive. Ephesians, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, forgave you. And also, the scripture says, you get what you paid for. Slide. 
you get what you pay for. Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a serious stuff. You wonder why your life is still like not so sh- going well. You have a grace. You probably bury the grace in your backyard. God says, take it out. Use it. Fire it. Because no one's going to die. And the Bible also says about forgiveness, keep doing it. Keep doing it. We have up there, yes, keep doing it. Luke 17. So watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day and seven times come back to you and say, I repent, forgive him. It all says it gives you a new life. Hebrews 10, 17. Then he said, if you forgive their sins and lawless, lawless acts, I will remember no more. Verse 18, and where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, his new creation, the old has come, the new has come. The new good pain will come to you. Eventually, the pain will go away. My thigh pain lasts about a week. And we are required to grow in grace by forgiving. Matthew 6, 9 through 12. It's the Lord's Prayer. Forgiveness is in the Lord's Prayer. Did you know that? Or are you citing the Lord's Prayer without really knowing what is being said? Because you've been citing this for all your life. You don't even know what is in it. God expects it, God desires it, God commands us to do it. So our Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And then one, forgive us as us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Did you notice something? It's past tense. Before you can come to the Lord for forgiveness of your sin, he says, forgive the others first. Before you can appeal, before you can pray, ah, forgive me, forgive me for what I've done. He says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's a condition. Did you know that? You see, as we talked about over the grace the growing in grace. Grace is free. It's a free gift of God. But growing grace, it's conditional. We have to apply. We gotta do. We gotta act. So when we endure, when we keep forgiving, we have a new life in His grace. 
that's when we are growing in grace. And when we do, and we step up to forgive, you know what happens? The heaven celebrates. When we forgive, the heaven celebrates. Let's pray. Father God, 